Welcome, everyone. Uh, my name is Steve Ray, and we are here on March 29th, session number five of the mini-series on ontology measurement and evaluation. We're running this particular session as a panel, and um, on the panel are uh, Professor Kenneth McClowski from Northeastern University, Professor Kathy Lasky, and Dr. Paolo Costa from George Mason. Uh, we had thought uh, Dr. Terry Jansen from Lockheed Martin would be with us, but um, unless he shows up during the talk, he's not uh, making it, it seems. So, again, uh, just to remind you of what this series is about, is basically um, it's one of several series underway in the Ontolog Forum. Um, this one is addressing what issues do we need to take into account in order to properly evaluate uh, ontologies in a systematic manner. And we had had some early presentations which were addressing some of the structural issues of ontologies. And we also had a presentation on um, looking at ontologies from the usefulness of the functionality perspective. And this panel today is um, one which I hadn't thought about originally, but uh, clearly matters a lot. And uh, has to do with uh, dealing with uncertainty in ontologies and uh, different probabilistic approaches uh, tackling that kind of uncertainty and in contrast to uh, perhaps classical statistical treatments of uncertainty in the physical world where uh, based upon sampling techniques, clearly uncertainty in, uh, in knowledge systems takes on many different um, aspects from just sampling doesn't matter how often you ask someone a question. If they give you a vague answer, you're not going to get any clearer on uh, what the uh, reality is. So I'm not going to do a whole lot of talking here, but um, I will forewarn uh, folks, including Peter, that I have a hard uh, 3 o'clock deadline, which is 3 o'clock East Coast time, which is one hour and a quarter from now. So I'm afraid... Uh, if uh, things are really steaming along after that time, I'm going to have to pass the reins over. But otherwise, I think we expect to finish in an hour and 15 minutes. Uh, with that, having put a deadline on things, uh, I think what we're going to do is uh, Ken Baklowski is going to start off the presentation with some of his slides, uh, and then switch over to uh, uh, Kathy Lasky and Paolo Costa, who are going to be addressing uh, some specific aspects of, um, of probability or uncertainty. And then, uh, I believe, Ken, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you're then going to pick it up again uh, to finish off the presentation session section. And then finally, we'll uh, hopefully have some time for some discussion, questions, etc. And I will try to um, uh, keep track of that, although I guess, Peter, you're the one that has access to the hand-raising signals, so I will depend upon you, Peter, to uh, let us know when that happens. Sure. So, okay, so with that, uh, Ken, why don't you go ahead and take it away, and as Peter mentioned, uh, it will be on the shared screen, but we probably, uh, for performance reasons, if you have, have uh, downloaded the slides, you can probably follow along, and we'll ask you, Ken, to please let us know when you, uh, which slide number you expect to be visible. Yes, thank you. Um, yeah, the uh, a kind of in the spirit of interoperability, uh, in this particular session, we are going to interoperate our presentations. <laughs> uh, starting out, I will start out, then we'll switch to Kathy and Paolo, and then come back to me again, 
and then possibly go back to Kathy again. We'll see. We'll see exactly how uh, how it works out. So, to begin with, the basic issue is um, how one represents uncertainty on the web and the kinds of ish, the kinds of uh, ways that you, we can evaluate the um, the many approaches that have been uh, proposed. If you switch now to uh, slide two, you'll see kind of a brief motivation for the uh, for including uncertainty. The semantic web and and common logic, as, which has also been discussed in this forum, uh, are a framework for expressing logical statements, but they have a they do have explicit mechanism, no standard mechanism for expressing probabilistic or uncertain statements. The the first part of the talk will present a series of use cases to um, that can be used to evaluate mechanisms for expressing uh, probability, and then from there go to a you know, kind of summarize these use cases in um, in a series of goals that express uh, well uh, what should be achieved by any framework that provide that uh, um, specifies probability on the web uh, moving to the next slide number three so here's the outline uh, I'll give a representative sample of use cases uh, of course these use cases will overlap one another um, and um, then those will be used to drive a series of goals, uh, the emphasis uh, being on uh, interoperation and evaluation. So uh, hopefully we'll, we'll cover the ground reasonably well um, in, uh, in this short talk. Moving on to then slide number four, uh, the use cases I have collected Six uh, use cases um, dealing with uncertainty. The first is uh, deals with communication among individuals within a community uh, and also software systems. Then a, um, a use case involving uh, uh, search, information retrieval within uh, communities that use uh, uncertainty, such as uh, scientific and engineering collections. Then a use case dealing uh, with uh, supporting projects involving uncertainty. Uh, then a kind of generic use case concerned with um, abductive as opposed to uh, deductive reasoning. Uh, then a, a topic that I've been working on for some time now, um, information fusion. And finally, um, decision support. So it's just an outline of what the use cases will be. Now let's take a look at the specific use cases. Slide number five is um, a use case concerned with communication in a community. It turns out that many communities, such as in science, engineering, and medicine, the one that I worked on specifically in this area was one of the early motivations for my own work was in medicine. Um, many statements that individuals make in these fields are fundamentally probabilistic and such statements only have meaning when stated within a particular model now that that with what I mean is that there is essentially a context within which the statements are made so simply saying that one has a certain probability distribution isn't enough you need to state you know what it what it's 
context is in order for it to have full meaning. And that context isn't necessarily a probabilistic one. Um, finally, uh, the um, Bayesian networks have emerged as a mechanism for, as a framework for modeling um, probabilistic uh, situations and for uh, specifically for specifying dependencies among random variables. And it has become a quite a very popular technique in, uh, in these communities. So at the very least, any, any mechanism, any framework that, that uses, um, that specifies probabilities should um, be able to specify uh, Bayesian networks. Um, and later on in the talk, I hope, hopefully we'll have some introduction to what these are for those who aren't uh, already familiar with Bayesian network uh, terminology. So that's so that we uh, at this level, you just uh, this use case is really just concerned with representing information so that individuals within the community can communicate with one another. The um, now moving to slide six. Um, another important aspect of of any use of the semantic web, of course, is to use it to search um, the. Uh, semantic annotation is a very effective way to perform information retrieval and to classify uh, artifacts. Bayesian classifiers have been used to improve classification when there's uncertainty um, about the uh, the artifacts, and uh, this is this can be a very effective technique, but it tends to be difficult to use because it has to be customized every time one is uh, setting up a search. Um, the the two forms of search, Bayesian uh, and semantic annotation, ideally should then be combined into a search technique that can use the strengths of both uh, for important uh, application domains such as medical diagnosis and situation assessment. So there's a definitely advantages to being able to include uncertainty in, in search. Moving to slide seven, um, large projects often produce uh, large collections of documents. That's uh, much of the output of a project is, is the artifacts that it produces. Uh, these artifacts, in the case of engineering and scientific projects, uh, will have um, large amounts of experimental data, and probability is the language for expressing the result, these experimental results. A, uh, there is a need for a common language, a, an interchange language, that can integrate the document corpus with the experimental data, so that uh, one can annotate them in a single, with, with a single language. So that's that's another important area for. Uh, uh, for uncertainty, representing uncertainty. Um, now moving then to slide eight, the um, abductive reasoning in in most ontology work, there's um, there's a big focus on deductive reasoning. That's uh, reasoning from 
hypotheses from knowledge to uh, inferred facts. And these, uh, this inference mechanism is a very powerful mechanism, but there are times when you would like to reverse that mechanism, where you want to look not at what can be inferred from, uh, from your data, but rather what hypotheses um, can be formulated which best explain the data. So it's looking at the reasoning, uh, looking at reasoning from the opposite perspective, arguing from effects to causes rather than from the causes to the effects. This form of reasoning is called abductive reasoning. It's a mechanism for finding the best explanation for data. Examples of these are in uh, di medical diagnosis and situation awareness. Um, in medical diagnosis, one has symptoms and one is seeking a, an explanation, a cause, a diagnosis which best explains those, those symptoms. Situation awareness is similar. Here in situation awareness, you have observations, and the objective is to find uh, a, a situation, to determine the situation which best explains uh, the observations. The uh, Bayesian networks are a, are a general probabilistic mechanism that can perform not only forward or causal inference, but also reversed or abductive or diagnostic inference, as well as inference that can go in more than one way. Bayesian networks are really quite powerful for, uh, for performing this kind of, uh, of reasoning, um, which is not to say that ordinary inference mechanisms cannot perform abductive reasoning also, and in fact there is uh, considerable literature on the use of uh, formal logic in, in an abductive setting. Uh, but Bayesian networks are particularly effective when the, um, there is uncertainty involved in the, uh, in the abduction. Moving then to slide nine, information fusion, which is, of course, very closely related to um, uh, abductive reasoning and situation awareness. Uh, here you have, you're combining information from multiple sources. Uh, this occurs in medicine and sensor networks, and it's the fundamental mechanism for situation awareness. Uh, we've already seen this in a, an emergency response management um, conference that we've had on, uh, I think it was, I believe, in the same series. The, um, in this, in this uh, use case, uh, state estimation uh, is very important uh, for uh, dynamic systems. So that means you have to start considering um, multivariate uh, continuous probability distributions as well as the discrete uh, distributions. Um, uh, most Bayesian network work deals with uh, the discrete cases. Uh, so this is, a, this is a use case that uh, concerns uh, extending these to continuous, um, continuous models as well. Now, moving to slide 10, this is a, um, a, a use case diagram from a, uh, from a paper that I cite there at the bottom. Uh, it's on ontology-based uh, uh, information fusion. 
this is just uh, one example of such a use case diagram. Uh, all of the use cases that I've uh, described so far uh, will can be can be also expressed in this manner. I suggest okay. In this particular case, I have put a link to the paper on um, the wiki for the uh, for the conference today. And in fact, I have a number of other links that are there. So if you go to the wiki page, you can see that I have uh, a link to this article, and you can see more details about this particular use case, use case diagram uh, dealing with information fusion. Then moving to slide 11. Uh, the, uh, the last use case concerns decision support. Uh, decisions um, are um, an important use of uh, Bayesian networks. Uh, and in fact, there's a specific kind of diagram called an influence diagram, which extends the Bayesian network formalism with uh, utility functions so that one can represent the criteria for, for uh, making decisions. Uh, the idea is to maximize the expected utility uh, within uh, the Bayesian network where, of course, you have uh, uncertainty. So this is a, a very nice mechanism, but from the point of view of the use case here, the issue is what the use case, what the um, probability distributions are then subsequently going to be used for. So it, this goes beyond simply representing the uh, representing uncertainty and um, performing queries. Um, here, one is actually making decisions based on the, uh, the available observations. Moving on then to slide 12, then this is just a summary, series of summaries um, extracted from those use cases. Uh, I believe in three slides I express what are the what the basic goals are for a uh, framework uh, for uh, uncertainty. Um, the first is, of course, to have the ability to represent and share uh, stochastic models. Uh, so you need an interchange format for both for discrete and continuous and both static and dynamic models. Uh, within this uh, interchange format, it should be possible then to refer to common random variables so that one can uh, interoperate and integrate the, uh, the stochastic models. And finally, you need a context specification mechanism which is, is non-probabilistic, so you need to annotate the models so that you know the context in which they occur. Uh, the next goal is to support stochastic inference uh, both forward or causal and backward or abductive inference. And uh, because these models can be very computationally complex, you need to be able to support uh, both exact and approximate algorithms for computing the uh, probability distributions. Moving to slide 13, second goal uh, slide, um, the, um, there should be a mechanism for fusing models from multiple sources uh, from uh, in medicine this is called meta-analysis in uh, uh, sensor networks it's called uh, multi-sensor fusion um, this needs to be uh, provided both 
for static and dynamic systems. Um, another important goal is to allow for reconciliation and validation. Reconciliation uh, occurs when you get conflicts between different studies, different uh, observations. And validation, of course, is to check to make sure that your model is correct. And a number of tests and mechanisms are available and uh, should be applicable to, the, uh, to such a framework. And lastly, uh, there should be support uh, for decisions. Moving then to slide 14, um, and the last slide on, on the goals. The, these are kind of general aspects of, uh, the, of any representation mechanism. Uh, they should be easy to use, compatible with other standards, and should provide for internationalization. Uh, ease of use is a particularly important one um, in the survey that I'll talk about later, um, a lot of these uh, mechanisms that have been proposed um, are actually equivalent from the point of view of expressivity and um, uh, you know, the, the semantics of the model. They differ, though, from, uh, from the point of view of how easy they are to use. Um, and that has been a, a big focus of a lot of the research in the areas to try to uh, provide support for these models that's, uh, that's uh, easier, easier for people to develop and, uh, uh, and also to, uh, to uh, interchange and, and interoperate. So um, having, um, having completed the goals section, we now move to a, slide, a blank slide here, line slide 15, which is the cue now for, uh, for us to move to um, Catherine's uh, presentation. So Catherine, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. Um, I actually, Paulo and I actually pre prepared a presentation which um, sort of starts by its own logic, and at about the fourth slide or something, we pick up where where you're leaving us off. So we um, we're talking about uh, representing and reasoning with uncertainty using uh, a uh, an, ex uh, an extension. Well, actually, a uh, an upper ontology in OWL, which we call Prowl for for creating probabilistic ontologies, and they are based on an extension of Bayesian networks. So, um, the, and so therefore, we started, we start near the beginning of our talk, we start in where Ken left off at de defining what a Bayesian network is and how to use, and, and how, and then we talk about why there are extensions that are needed. Uh, move to slide two. Uh, this basically recaps some of the things that uh, Ken has been saying, just, just the, the, the statement that uncertainty and ambiguity are ubiquitous. If we're trying to do reasoning on the scale of the web, there are going to be um, uh, problems that, uh, of, of uncertainty that we have to be able to deal with. Uh, and that Ken has already said that better than I can, so let's move on to the next slide. Um, this is also a slight recap of, of what Ken said before. Um, that the, we want to, in, in an uncertain world, 
we want to build semantically aware systems. The semantically aware systems need to be able to talk about uncertainty. Ontologies formalize our knowledge about the world, and there's intrinsic uncertainty, but there's a lack of, of built-in means for handling uncertainty in ontology formalisms, and we need uh, methodologies and tools for doing that. Uh, let's move on to slide four. Um, now, uh, one thing that I want to, to just touch on, that um, when I have brought up the, the topic of uh, representing uncertainty in ontologies, one typical response that I get from people with a philosophical bent is that ontology should be about what is in the world and probability is about our beliefs about the world and therefore it doesn't belong in an ontology. So I just want to I just want to deal with that question, uh, and that's what this slide is about. Um, so my answer to that is threefold. Uh, first, there appear to be some phenomena in nature that are intrinsically probabilistic. Uh, quantum theory is the the the, the most uh, notable of these, but uh, so so for example, radioactive emissions. They there seems to be they seem to be intrinsically probabilistic. But at the level of of, um, of everyday life, even there are some phenomena such as um, false positive rate for a medical test, the um, the probability that a sensor will say that something is um, uh, one kind of aircraft when you're when it actually is a different kind of aircraft. Uh, you're trying to tell your friends from your enemies. Uh, various kinds of, of phenomena that we that various that, that there's um, there there are probabilities that that to our best ability seem to be intrinsically stochastic. And Ken mentioned that before, that a lot of scientific models are stochastic. And at least at a useful level of description, that stochastic aspect of the model seems to be ontological in at least as firm a sense of, as, as uh, many of the other things that we put into domain ontologies. Um, and furthermore, um, in order to do the kinds of reasoning we need to do on the web, we need to be able to represent and reason with that uncertainty. And uh, my last, my last uh, comment there is that um, uh, that something that, that that a phenomenon that we believe is ontological. Our, our, our ontologies are about our theories about the world, and our theories about the world are intrinsically fallible. And so. Um, if if we insisted that our ontologies only only dealt with things that exist, uh, we would risk not being able to build any ontologies at all because all of our scientific theories are provisional, and it's important to be able to represent our uncertainties. Um, so let's move now to slide six, uh, and I'll tell you what a Bayesian network is. I'm using here an example that was out of Paulo Costa's doctoral dissertation. This is the he he uh, um, did a a fictional use case. Um, Paulo is uh, a, an ex-pilot, and um, rather than do something uh, uh, that rather than than pick a realistic pilot uh, scenario, we picked something that was close to being a pilot and was kind of fun, which was a a, a science fiction scenario. And so here, this is a very small Bayesian network that deals with the problem of uh, inferring whether a spaceship is 
a friend or a foe. Uh, and it's a uh, um, to illustrate what a Bayesian network is, a Bayesian network is a way to specify uh, – oh, uh, are, am I on the – I'm sorry, I'm on the wrong slide. Uh, Which slide should we be on? We should be on slide five, I'm sorry. The, the question here is, um, before I move to Bayesian networks, I want to talk about Bayesian reasoning in general, probabilistic reasoning. Um, and the um, we want to be able to reason in the presence of uncertainty – about many different kinds of things, not just uh, – we want to be able to represent uncertainty about um, uh, about the, the um, input data, relationships, the strength of relationships, constraints, um, a very a, – a, uh, not just – not just intrinsically stochastic phenomena, but um, many kinds, uncertainty about many kinds of things that we reason about or represent in ontologies. Um, and the, uh, the, the Bayesian, Bayesian probability theory is attractive because it gives us the ability to reason with both statistical data and expert knowledge and combine them in a, in a uh, consistent and coherent manner. Um, we can represent uh, cause and effect relationships. We can reason from cause to effect, from effect to cause. Uh, it provides us with a theory for learning from observations uh, in a logically coherent way and uh, with clear semantics uh, that, that is understandable and actually, as I'll get into later, integrates well with um, with. Uh, uh, um, integrates well with uh, classical logic. Let's move now to slide six. This, this is where we get into where Ken left off. And um, a Bayesian network is a, um, a, a way of specifying a it's, a, it's a language for specifying joint probability distributions over many different interrelated variables. So we want to be able to specify not just probabilities for a single phenomenon or quantity or variable, but how they relate to other variables. So uh, in our simple example here, we have four different uh, random variables. We can, we can have up to 100, uh, up to hundreds or, or even thousands of them in, in uh, realistic examples of Bayesian networks. And these, these probability distributions are specified by modular local interactions. So what, what we can do is we can take small collections of, of related random variables and specify their probabilistic relationships and then combine them together into, into, more, um, into larger models. So um, in a Bayesian network, what we do is we um, – the, the arrows in a Bayesian network represent relationships between variables. So, for example um, – whether a sensor report says that uh, that a starship is a friend or a foe depends on whether it actually is a friend or a foe. It depends in a probabilistic sense. There's an error associated with it. But also, um, if the starship is in cloaked mode, we may not get any report even if it's actually there. So the parents of sensor report, the two variables that, that impact its distribution are the the um, the actual the actual um, operator of the uh, of the ship and whether it's in cloaked mode 
and we specify the distribution. So, uh, and the but uh, if a starship is in cloaked mode, we may get a magnetic disturbance report, and that depends on where whether the starship's in cloaked mode and whether there's a what kind of zone the starship is in. Um, the uh, and um, what we do is we specify a distribution for each of these random variables given its parents. And when we put all of those distributions together, we get a, a probability distribution on all of the variables that reflects their interrelationships. And so it's a way of specifying relationships between variables uh, that, can, that can be cause and effect relationships or just correlations. Um, and it also is a computational architecture for reasoning with these variables. So I can find, I can uh, get evidence about variables. I can, for example, um, introduce a sensor report or a magnetic disturbance report and come back with um, inferences about whether there is a starship in the zone and what type of starship it is. Uh, Bayesian networks have had many applications, as Ken told us, on a large number of, of different kinds of problems. Um, and they have been, um, uh, there have been proposals for using Bayesian networks for, for creating uh, XML specifications uh, uh, representing Bayesian networks in OWL. And people have talked about using Bayesian networks as a formal language for probability in the semantic web. Um, and so the question is, if we're talking about developing probabilistic ontologies, uh, are Bayesian networks a, a suitable representation? And we think that for many kinds of problems, they are a good representation, but we actually need to be able to do more than that. And let's move now to slide seven. Um, traditional Bayesian networks, Ken mentioned one issue with them, which was the discrete versus continuous. But um, another important issue is their inability to represent uh, more complex kinds of problems that we might want to be able to deal with, in particular problems with repeated structure, uh, problems with um, representing um, uh, uncertainty about the existence of entities, um, uncertainty about their type, and then if, if we're not certain about the type of entity, then the appropriate features that that um, that uh, that the features that it's appropriate to reason about may depend on the type. So there are many different kinds of uncertainties that it's not possible to represent. Um, and in this example, uh, we see one, one problem with the previous, uh, the previous example we had, we were inferring the type of a particular starship. And, or, uh, and um, in this example, we may have several starships. We may not, in the vicinity, we may not even know how many there are in the vicinity. And, um, so we essentially need to, to have a copy of that Bayesian network on the previous slide for each of the starships in our region. But one of the problems with that is that, that they all share that zone, that zone nature, um, what, what kind of zone we're in. They, they share that random variable, but they have different type random variables and different sensor report random variables and different cloak mode random variables. But the magnetic disturbance report, uh, there's only one of those. And in addition, um, something that, that we might not know which sensor report goes with which starship. So if I get two reports, I might not know whether they come from the same starship or a different starship. And so we could, um, one, one solution would be to build a separate uh, one starship model, a two starship model, a five starship model, a seven starship model, but that gets unwieldy very rapidly. We need to be able to have a language that's expressive enough to say, 
um, to 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 be able to compactly represent that repeated structure and combine the repeated structures in in ways that uh, are appropriate to the problem. So let's move now to slide eight. And um, the language that we have used in our research is called multi-entity Bayesian networks. It's closely related to a number of expressive probabilistic languages that are out there in the literature now, uh, which Ken will move on to some of those in, in the remainder of his talk. He'll talk about some of the other uh, languages that, that have been proposed for extending Bayesian networks or um, probabilistic kinds of models to be more expressive. Um, and what we do, what, what multi-entity Bayesian networks do is they allow you to specify parameterized fragments of Bayesian networks, um, which we call Mieben fragments or M-frags. They're fragments of Bayesian networks, and then we make multiple copies of them and assemble them, and that's what this picture shows. I'll go into that in a little bit more detail later. Uh, and they can express a, a lot of different kinds of uncertainty. Uh, let's move to slide nine. Um, basically, multi-entity Bayes nets and some of these other languages that uh, Ken will be talking about take Bayesian networks, which are essentially a propositional logic for, uh, of probabilities, and extend it to a first-order logic. Um, the semantically, when you when you have uh, in First-order logic, um, semantics of first-order logic is that a, is that a theory in, in classical first-order logic specifies a set of possible worlds. And what these expressive probabilistic languages do is they attach probabilities to these possible worlds. So you can not only do inferences about which worlds are possible and which worlds are ruled out by your axioms, but you can also attach probabilities to them. Um, and it, so multi-entity Bayesian networks, using that language, we can express anything that we can say in first-order logic. Now, that's going to create computational issues because first-order logic is, in general, undecidable, but there's been a lot of research on uh, tractable sub-languages of expressive probabilistic languages. And um, so the... Um, uh, we have developed a, um, a language for probabilistic ontologies based on multi-entity Bayesian networks. Uh, move to slide 10 now. Uh, this is just a blow-up of part of what appeared in that previous picture, and it shows that a theory in uh, multi-entity Bayesian network theory, uh, we, we, we create a set of fragments of Bayesian networks. And there, uh, you can see the yellow nodes, the gray nodes, and the white nodes. Um, the white nodes are random variables that are defined within a multi-entity Bayesian network fragment. The gray nodes are variables that are defined elsewhere, and the yellow nodes are context variables that um, that indicate context in which this fragment is valid, and the um, you can see that there are they're parameterized in the sense that, that there are um, little that, that there are 
uh, parenthesized arguments to the random variables, and they can be filled with particular entities. So um, those random, so we can make multiple copies of them for different entities. So that we can have the type of starship one, the type of starship two. We can have the, we can have multiple zones, and the zone variables get repeated for each zone. And then these, then now let's move to slide eleven. And when we pose a query or reason about a particular problem, we take those multi-entity Bayesian network fragments and uh, automatically using a Mieben reasoner, will um, will construct a situation-specific Bayesian network to reason about a particular problem instance, which makes copies of the random variables and composes them together to do reasoning. Uh, there, um, there is, uh, I guess, Francis Fung, who is on this line, works for a company, Information Extraction and Transport, that has developed a... Uh, a um, an implementation of multi-entity Bayesian networks, and Paulo is working down at the um, uh, um, at um, what is yeah. University of Brasilia to yeah. develop a Mieben reasoner. Uh, now let's move to slide 12, and I'll move here to Prowl. Uh, Paulo, since you're on the line, um, can I turn this over to you and let you tell us about Prowl since that's your language? Are you willing to do that? Yeah, I can do so, but I'm not sure whether uh, you can hear me well. If if you start to break up, people can uh, somebody mention. If if Paulo's not clear enough, mention it and I'll take over for him. But I'd like to let you do this, Paulo. Okay, that's fine. And uh, hi everyone. Um, Prowl, it's a, as it says here in slide 12, it's a language for probabilistic ontologies. So it is based on MIPAN, which Kathy just explained it to you. And what happened is that when we first had the challenge to make MIPAN uh, some sort of an ontology language, uh, our first problem was with uh, OW itself. We wanted to extend OW, but OW is a... Uh, and very difficult to represent non-binary relationships in in, in our uh, most of uh, uh, there is a, a lot of research on this, and so people usually do by five relationships. Um, so what we had to do in order to do a Mieben extension for for our uh, we basically define. Uh, five main classes. One which is in the center of the diagram is M-theory. And M-theory is that uh, set of M-frags that you saw in the three slides ago. And it's not only a set of M-frags, it's a coherent set of M-frags. So uh, that set of M-frags must, uh, must be, uh, must have all, a lot of uh, requirements in order to be M-theory. So for each M theory, we have a set of M frags, and M frags have nodes, which are uh, random variables. Those random variables have uh, a probability distribution, uh, which is a local probability distribution for each one. And you also have, since it's a first-order language, you have different entities. So each 
probability each node can be replicated uh, uh, more than one time. So those are the main uh, main classes, and we had to divide it in subclasses. So, for example, uh, in Infrared, you see two subclasses: domain Infrared and finding Infrared. The domain Infrared is where you actually uh, uh, give your domain information. What a defining flag you use for queries. So I'm not going through each and every uh, um, class subclasses and support classes and refine relationships because that's not the objective here. But the main point is what you have here is a framework for replicating an M theory. And you can reason with that. If we just pass through 13, uh, what do you see there? Yes, uh, I use Prodigy. I think everybody here should be familiar with Prodigy. Um, and what I did here was to use that framework you just saw um, as a separate OWL file. So today, when I want to model something in Pro, what I have to do is open Prodigy, import the uh, uh, OWL file, so I'll have the framework loaded. And then I'll have to put my domain as it is here. In this specific slide, I just show a zone and frag how it is modeled. Uh, so basically, today it's a very a painful process, I would say. It's very complex. And, and Ken already talked about one of the main advantages of Bayesian networks is simplicity. And we are now working on making power a more uh, simple thing. Today is just too complex. And this is one of the hardest problems I'm facing here uh, at the University of Brasilia, trying to uh, do a protege plugin that makes um, this process a little bit easier. Well, anyway, uh, why, well, one of the good things we can see about a, a probabilistic OWL, uh, if you just pass through the slide 14, uh, this is how... This is how inference is done today. So if you see, we have a, a knowledge base, which is a, usually in our ontology in the left, upper left side. And you have um, in the right side new data coming in. So what happens is you use a reasoner. In this case, I, I'm just using racer as an example. We have more than uh, a field. And when you have instances, new instances and classes coming in, you just look at your knowledge base, and what Rachel does is the deductive reasoning that Ken just talked about. And the result of this process is uh, new classes, instances, and information, hence the knowledge. And that's the way logical reasoning works. If you pass to uh, slide 14, that's what happens when you use a language like Prowl. Uh, you basically, in your left upper side, you see that your knowledge base not only uh, uh, captures uh, what OWL can capture today, but you also have some extra knowledge in the base. Uh, basically, you, you have uh, um, probability information. Um, when you have this extended knowledge base, you can also receive new data, not only in, in, in form of a class assistance, but also evidence. 
incomplete information. It is something that you can't do today. You can't just load incomplete information in, in a normal ontology. It, it won't work. So uh, in this process here that you see, you have both a, a logical reasoning, reasoner and a probabilistic reasoner. In this case, I just use Quiddity, which is uh, Francis Cummings. Excuse me a minute. Have, have they loaded slide 15? Is it loading now, or, or are you... Uh, there it comes. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, okay. But that's okay. Do you have it, slide 15? Yeah, it's up now. Okay. So, um, in this case, you have... the, the If you use uh, something like Prowl, you can have in the same tool uh, your deterministic data and your probabilistic data as well. And you can reason separately. And uh, if you see the enhanced knowledge box, what I'm trying to say here is that you can, uh, using this uh, more powerful way of uh, doing not only deductive reasoning, but also uh, abductive reasoning, uh, you can tackle those problems that we, we want to tackle in the semantic web. So basically, if you if you see the scheme here, what is missing for us is a is a Bayesian reasoner, which is the uh, uh, green reasoner here represents liquidity, and you also need a, a, a probabilistic knowledge base. So that's the main contribution for uh, we we're trying to achieve here to have a, a, a principal means of representing uncertainty and reasoning with it. So please, uh, slide 16, uh, summarize what I, what I was just saying. So w with a probabilistic ontology framework, you have both probabilistic and deterministic reasoning. Uh, so you can basically have the probabilistic part uh, is the complete or a partial middle theory. And that, that means that different people will build different middle theories of their domains and we'll be able to share those different theories and uh, go further than we can go today. And, and Mida logic is, is specific enough to provide logical basics, uh, basis for uh, semantic integration. Well, slide 17, just show a, a glance of a uh, use case here. Uh, this is case come from a, 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 a paper we wrote and for the uh, semantic, International Semantic Web Conference. And our focus here was to use probabilistic ontologies as a, a tool for a mapping, a semantic mapping problem. And we, we tried to do some sort of a, a, a service-oriented architecture. And you see uh, in your right side where what is uh, inside the semantic mapping box here, um, you see that we use both a probabilistic reasoner and a logical reasoner to do the semantic mapping. So when you have complete information, uh, the logical reasoner works well. But we, when you don't, uh, you necessarily need to, to do the best you can do with the data you have. And the way to do that is using abductive reasoning from a probabilistic reasoner. So um, basically that uh, ends our part here explaining power. So I... I at this moment, I pass back to Ken so he can uh, go further with the other uh, approaches that we have here. Thank you. Well, thank you, Catherine and Paulo. That was, that was a very nice presentation on the subject. Um,
Now let's move back to my slide presentation where uh, I will now give you a, a survey of the modeling techniques and uh, at least begin some of the uh, evaluation aspect of this session. So if you move to my slide, slide number 16, take a look. Uh, is that is that coming up, Peter? Mm -hmm. yes. yes, it is. Okay, so the, uh, there are an awful lot of stochastic modeling techniques that have been developed over the last uh, 20 years. Um, so I'm going to attempt to give you a survey and give you some representative examples of them. Um, I've uh, roughly classified them into those uh, techniques that are uh, at least focused on logic programming. Uh, so the programs often look like Prolog. Um, then uh, those that are inspired by um, data modeling, uh, database um, schema formalisms. Uh, then there's also a significant amount of work that's been done in the statistical community. Um, and um, more recent work that um, uh, has taken its inspiration from uh, uh, modern programming languages, uh, such as object-oriented programming languages. And finally, uh, the uh, those uh, that are building the uh, stochastic modeling t uh, on uh, the World Wide Web, such as on, on uh, XML or the semantic web. Moving to slide 17, uh, the first example is in the logic programming uh, area. It's an old example, but it's an interesting one, uh, independent choice logic. This is uh, an expansion of an, uh, what's called uh, probabilistic horn abduction, um, a technique developed by uh, David Poole and other uh, I have, oh, by the way, in the, at the end of the slides, I have a series of uh, references organized by um, the, uh, the example that I gave here. So if you look at the end, you'll see the, uh, the references for each of these. And in addition, I've put some, uh, some links on the wiki uh, for some of these, uh, for some of these uh, models and techniques. So independent choice logic is... Uh, because it extends logic programs, Bayesian networks, influence diagrams, Markov decision processes, and even game theory. So it's quite a variety of techniques that are all put together uh, in, this, uh, in this logic. Uh, however, it doesn't really address the ease of use issues and a number of other issues such as complexity that it does not, um, doesn't deal with. Um, so while it's, it's intriguing, uh, it's it's uh, not really suitable for the kinds of uh, work that we're doing now. Perhaps some of the ideas could be incorporated into uh, into such a framework for the web. Um, and moving to slide 18, uh, another logic programming example called Bayesian logic programs. And this is a prologue notation for defining Bayesian networks that. It doesn't, it's very easy to use, but uh, because it doesn't separate the logic from the Bayesian networks, the, uh, the networks that it, uh, that it uh, gets uh, by this process uh, uh, can be kind of awkward and, 
and uh, modeling some modeling techniques, some modeling uh, some Bayesian network models can be difficult to achieve this way. Um, but it, it's uh, it's an interesting uh, technique in that it, it it's kind of transparent. You just write your program in Prolog and out comes your Bayesian network. Um, Moving to slide 19, uh, here's another logic programming example. Uh, this is called Logical Bayesian Networks. It's a kind of an outgrowth from uh, the earlier uh, Bayesian, Bayesian logic program. Here it separates the logic and the, uh, the Bayesian network construction. So you have both logical and probabilistic statements. And it's pretty clear that you really do need to do that. Um, so this this particular uh, work um, really makes an excellent case for the separation of these two. In uh, and we've also seen that that uh, in the uh, in the discussion in that we've just seen on uh, uh, multi-entity Bayesian networks and Prowl. Uh, so that uh, this is this is a common theme now in. Uh, in any technique, that uh, that there's a clear separation between the logic and the uh, and the uncertainty. Um, I have a link to the paper on logic uh, logical Bayesian networks, uh, which gives an excellent introduction and survey of that field. There are an awful lot of awful lot of work that's been going on in that area and is continuing to go on. Uh, it generally gets divided up into two those that uh, integrate probabilities into logic programming, uh, there you have probabilistic horn abduction, independent choice logic, prism, stochastic logic programs, logic programs with annotated disjunctions, and uh, lots of learning programs for, uh, for these uh, techniques. Then uh, logic, logical Bayesian networks is um, in a slightly different area called uh, knowledge-based model construction, um, where, as you can see, they separate the logic, and it, the logic is used to construct the model. Uh, there you have um, the probabilistic relational models, which uh, I'll be talking about in a moment, relational Bayesian networks, probabilistic logic programs, uh, meta-interpreter approach, constraint logic programming has been applied in this area, hierarchical Bayesian networks, and Markov logic networks. So there's, it's just a huge diversity of, of techniques that have been developed in this area. For the most part, they, they're essentially equivalent in that what they, what they do is just construct this Bayesian network from a, um, uh, using logic, and then, um, and then you perform any queries on it. Um, so that most of these are essentially equivalent to one another. They differ primarily in, in how, um, how easy they are to use. Uh, they also tend not to have the multi-entity aspect that uh, Catherine and Paolo talked about. The, um, the Bayesian networks they produce just have a fixed collection of, of random variables. Well, um, Ken, I, I guess... You know, looking at this diagram, those look like an awful lot like the, the Bayesian network that you have there looks an awful lot like our parameterized Bayesian networks. That we would have a um, a Bayesian network back on back, back on slide 19. I don't know if you can go back. Um, uh, 
Yeah, slide 19. That, but, um, that, um, we would have, for, for example, you have ranking John and ranking Pete, and we would have a ranking S for student, and that could get replicated for as many students as you had. So it's essentially a similar kind of concept. Uh, it is indeed. Uh, as you can see from there, what, what you do is you put in your program with the logic and the uh, uh, the Bayesian network construction. Those are the first two sets of lines. Then the mm -hmm. last line is you put in your data, mm -hmm. and then it uh, then you run this engine, and out comes the uh, the Bayesian network. That's very very similar to how Mebin works. Mebin is uh, well, it's, it's, yeah, but there's no probability involved in the uh, in going from one set of one data set to another data set. So you can't talk about, um, say, uh, a random number of students. Gotcha. Okay. That, so you, they don't, you don't. Yeah. There are certain kinds of uncertainty that we can represent that they can't. Okay. Right. There's, yeah. It, it's it's a little different in that regard. At, at this, uh, no doubt, they're in the process of extending their model to include mm -hmm. that. But um, at the at the time that I saw this, which is actually fairly recent. Um, it was just a fixed number of random variables, and there's no variation. Mm -hmm. um, moving to slide 20, this is a very popular area, uh, probabilistic relational models. Um, it uses the um, relational database language for uh, uh, modeling entities, relationships, and uh, attributes. Uh, it also has a... A, a kind of a split between the uh, logical and the uh, uncertainty uh, in that the uh, structure certainly is uh, logical and the uh, but then it, you build a Bayesian network from it which then has uncertainty in it. Um, it also has the disadvantage that it, it does not have uh, this uh, uncertainty. Uh, you can't have uncertainty involving the number of entities. It's, it's always a fixed number of entities produced within one of the Bayesian networks. There are papers on taking PRMs, though, and modeling existence uncertainty. Oh, yeah, so I'll get if, to that in a moment. Yeah, that's, if, but that's if you're using, yeah, if you're modeling existence uncertainty in PRMs, then you're, in effect, modeling uncertainty about the number of entities. Right. I'll, as I say, I will move to that in a moment. Mm -hmm. um, the... Um, so this is this is a, the, the, one of the reasons why this is popular is that because it's closely related to the relational model, one can um, one can then go to databases that have lots of data and use it to learn the model, to learn the uh, the conditional probability distributions, which of course are a very important aspect of the model and uh, that isn't actually shown in this picture. It just shows the structure. It doesn't show the conditional probabilities. Moving to slide Ken, um, I just keeping an eye on the clock here a little bit. Uh, we're probably going to have to wrap it up in the next, um, you know, eight minutes or something. Yep, try to get right through it. I appreciate it. We're coming along really well. Uh, this is uh, a, an extension to this um, uh, probabilistic relational model uh, called DAPR. It's directed acyclic probabilistic, probabilistic entity relational. So it's very similar to probabilistic relational model, uh, just uses entity relationship instead. But now it goes, it extends this to allow for uh, self-relationships, restricted relationships, probabilistic relationships, and also to uh, uh, to allow for uh, 
this uncertainty in the number of entities. So it's actually a fairly rich model that has emerged from this area. Um, it, this is just gives a, some examples to illustrate this, and I have uh, a link to the Dapper paper so you can see more examples of how it works. This just shows how a, a Dapper diagram, the corresponding probabilistic relational model diagram, uh, the data that gets inserted, and the Bayesian network that comes out. So again, it's it's all very similar uh, to the techniques that we've already seen. Uh, the plate model on slide 23 is the um, was developed independently in the statistics community by two two groups, um, and it's a it's a language that differs primarily in its graphical formalism rather than in its expressive power. Um, the um, the paper uh, I just mentioned on, on Dapper uh, discusses the um, uh, relationship between Dapper and the plate model, uh, and the uh, the two are expressively basically equivalent, but uh, they differ, of course, in their in their uh, graphical formalism and also in their uh, uh, in extensions that uh, I just mentioned to. Uh, other kinds of relationships and uh, uncertainty of the number of entities. Moving to slide 24, uh, more recent development is uh, is inspired by the uh, ob object-oriented programming languages. And uh, here there's this uh, object-oriented Bayesian network formalism in which you, you build Bayesian networks from uh, fragments and these fragments can then be reused, uh, so that it's a powerful technique for building up your um, your Bayesian networks in a uh, uh, component fashion. Uh, so you have this idea of reusability, encapsulation, data hiding, inheritance. Uh, I won't go into any more detail about that because it's uh, basically what uh, MEBN is. Um, the uh, next slide, 25, is a... Uh, Talk, talks about a blog program. This is a um, project, rather, at UC Berkeley and now at MIT um, that uh, has an unfortunate name because it, it's ambiguous. You know, it could be weblogs. It could be Bayesian logic programs. But uh, the, um, the project has some interesting ideas. Uh, in addition to introducing this idea of uncertainty in terms of the number of entities, uh, it also uh, considers how you could program in not only the Bayesian network, but also the uh, mechanism for uh, evaluating your queries. And the mechanism that they're using is an approximate method called the uh, uh, Metropolis-Hastings um, uh, Monte Carlo Markov chain. There you, you do need to add some additional information in order to make uh, your um, uh, in order to make your queries uh, efficient, uh, and to get, uh, getting good answers effectively and, and quickly. Um, finally, there's uh, the last slide, 26. Um, it's just talking about well, none of those actually, none of the, none of what I've spoken about so far have any connection to the web. No XML formats are mentioned, and no uh, no connection to the semantic web. Now, a number of formats have been developed for just expressing, just specifying a Bayesian network, 
Um, one of them that I mentioned there is uh, the XML Belief Network that was developed at Microsoft's Decision Theory and Adaptive Systems Group. It's just an example of how one can express um, in XML a, a Bayesian network. Um, the Bayesian web is a uh, technique that I developed, and it, it's described in my uh, in my book. Um, it follows a lot of the ideas that it basically built on all the ideas that were in the previous examples, a layered approach where you have logic at one layer, and then the next layer above is your uh, stochastic layer. Uh, the fundamental um, uh, component for building these is the stochastic function, um, inspired, of course, by object-oriented Bayesian networks, and, uh, and puts all these stochastic operations on a separate layer. And then uh, the last one I mentioned, the ultimate, is uh, Prowl, which uh, you've already already seen. So now, are there any questions? Can well, I'd like to add one more thing that I should have put on a slide but didn't, which is that uh, we are in the process of getting off the ground a worldwide web consortium experimental group to discuss um, uncertainty in the World Wide Web. And um, I can provide for the wiki a, uh, a URL to the page that the charter is up and um, it's open for people to join. Uh, it is, uh, if you it, actually just if you Google URW3 space XG, you'll find it pretty quickly. Um, and what, what basically the idea is that we're, we, we don't feel that we're ready to plunge into developing web standards yet. So the experimental group is something that W3C has initiated for things that are sort of at the pre-standardization level. And we're going to be developing use cases over the next year and having discussions on what kinds of mechanisms we need on the web to represent uncertainty. Okay. Um, this is Steve Ray, and uh, <clears throat> I, I want to just... Uh, uh, summarize my own thoughts here, which is I think that um, in the context of evaluation, I really liked uh, slides 12 through 14 from Ken's stack, which gave these, these goals, and I'm sort of interpreting those as uh, essentially criteria or dimensions upon which one might consider evaluating uh, a, an ontology, and particularly a probabilistic one. Is that the direction you think one could head if one were trying to assess the um, expressiveness and utility of a, an ontology? I, I guess. This, yes, I think this is exactly the uh, the way that you should approach this. Uh, in fact, the, uh, the format that I used uh, for this, use cases followed by goals, uh, matches what the World Wide Web Consortium has used in other standards. So I was actually following their lead and how they approach standardization. Uh -huh. And uh, I think that, yeah, this is an effective way of, uh, of approaching the uh, development of standards in this area because it, it really does seem to be an important area that for standardization. We should move on it very quickly. Uh -huh. Kathy, you were going to say something? Yeah, I, I was going to say that yeah the, that um, I, I I agree with what Ken just said that you want to lay out a set of use cases and you want to understand what your purpose is for the use case, 
and then you then you need to evaluate. For, so for an evaluation purpose, you you have a use case, and you say, well, in, in, for this use case, our goal is to develop a system that can diagnose uh, medical conditions or that can fuse information from multiple sources to uh, draw inferences relating to you know ecological um, uh, and uh, Concerns, and so you pick, and then you then you need to look at the role of the ontology in enabling the goal of the use case to come about. Mm-hmm. And um, and in many of the kinds of problems that Ken mentioned in his use cases, and I um, I have uh, I, I've uh, and, and in the use cases that I've encountered, uh, the the ability to rep- to reason probabilistically is fundamental to being able to to um, to do the task that you're trying to do, and in order to do the probabilistic reasoning, you need to represent probabilistic information in the ontology, especially if you're going to interchange data about uh, interchange information about the uncertainties. Sure. And in particular, um, if you're in, if you're exchanging data between applications and you're not exchanging information about the data quality, you could be seriously underperforming. That makes every bit of sense to me. Um, I'd like to open it up for others. Uh, Peter, I think you probably have a good handle on who's raising their hand and all. Um, but I will also ask your indulgence, Peter, that I absolutely have to be at a meeting with my boss in about two minutes. So I'm going to have to sign off, but I don't want to squelch the conversation. So, Peter, are there questions? Okay. So far, I don't see any hands up. Well, Peter, this is... This is Terry, Terry Jansen. Sorry for calling in late. I had another conference call myself. I guess I've been uh, saved by the clock here. But I did hear much of uh, Kathy and uh, uh, Ken's and Pablo's talk. And uh, I do want to reiterate how important it is in uh, some of the uh, integration of data uh, dealing with uncertainty in these ontologies and, and reasoning engines because uh, as is pointed out by Kathy, uh, we just don't have knowledge bases which are, are giving us fact. We have uh, knowledge bases that exist to give us some reasonable idea of what exists out there, and probability theory combined with the uh, ontologies and, and, uh, and reasoning, in my opinion, is a must for us to make any real progress. Okay. Um, this is Steve. I'm I'm just running if off, you but have to run. Uh, maybe yeah. I, I, think I can Steve. take over and see if there are other questions or discussions. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you all, and and especially thanks to Ken and Kathy and Paolo also for a great talk. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, so far, I don't see. Up. So if you have a question, uh, please press. One one on your keypad. Uh, when you uh, recognize, then press a star three to unmute yourself. Uh, Peter Yim here. I actually have a, a question uh, for any one of the speakers. Uh, is there some uh, work done with time series? Uh, I actually have a project uh, that deals with uh, time series matters and. I'm wondering if, if there are existing work that uh, goes into that uh, area. Well, you know, that's, 
uh, such power, if you see the example we used, uh, there's a, a, a time, a time uh, it's dynamic, so we, we can represent a, a dynamic series. I, I don't know whether this is what you want to, to hear, but we, we can represent time, uh, dynamic time. Yes, right. I, I'm coupled with in my work I, probability distributions. Uh, Ken, I think uh, you were going. Uh, uh, yeah, in my work with histology, we also deal with uh, dynamic systems and time. Uh, particularly uh, in that case, it's mostly for situation awareness, but uh, also for other kinds of time series. Um, dynamic Bayesian networks are often used for uh, problems in which time uh, information – there's dynamic Bayesian networks, there's continuous time Bayesian networks. Uh, there's a, the whole field of statistical time series is huge, um, and uh, as Ken mentioned, plates are very big in the statistics community, and um, um, probably the, the – um, uh, the most commonly used implementation of plates is the bugs language, and there's a, a bugs uh, mail, email list, and people use bugs for all kinds of statistical problems, including, I believe, time series, but I don't know what kind of support it has for that. Um, but as far as, as web languages for representing, uh, specifically geared towards representing time series, uh, there isn't much yet on XML serializations of statistical languages. Thank you. I probably would love to consult uh, either, uh, both of you offline later. I see uh, two hands, uh, FYC Fong and also person from the uh, area code 510. Let's start with uh, Mr. Fong. That would be Francis, right? Uh, if you unmute yourself with a star three, uh, and you could go ahead. Francis? Francis? Hit star three, and then you can talk. Maybe we do the area code 510 person. Okay. Area code 510. Uh, person. Oh, yes, I, I, I was muted. Two ways, not only by you, but by me as well. I got it. All right. Is that Francis? Yeah, this is Francis. Sorry okay, about go that. Go with your question. Yeah, no, first I was just going to say that um, the Quiddity Suite uh, tool set that, that they've been building, um, Prowl and all that on top of, uh, does support dynamic Bayesian network modeling and inference in situation-specific um, network construction PRM style, uh, where you assemble the, 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 the dynamic Bayesian network from, um, you know, instantiations of particular, you know, Speak loud, time. Francis. Okay. Did, did you hear me not particularly well? Um, anyway, I was just mentioning about Quiddity Suite. And also, I was curious, um, Professor Bukowski, about uh, your the Bayesian web that, that you'd outlined looked very interesting. I'm wondering what kinds of implementation, uh, you know, approaches have been done towards realizing this vision that you're aware of. Um, oh, I'm certainly working on that now at, uh, at Vistology. We have a number of projects that involve uncertainty, and, uh, and we're building tools for that. Um, 
so I mean, uh, if if you want to discuss it offline, I can certainly give you more information about it. Okay, um, thank you. So just just contact me, um, I, and I'm sure you can also contact uh, Catherine about her work on uh, Prowl. Well, yeah, actually, Francis. Um Francis's company, Information Extraction and Transport, develop, has has a reasoner called Quiddity, which is the reasoner that we've used in our examples, and um, so they and they have a uh, they 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 have a probabilistic reasoner that is, um, I guess it's it's an implementation of a Meban slash PRM like language for doing probabilistic. Reason, expressive probabilistic language. Yeah, it sounds like a really interesting uh, possibility for collaboration. Yeah, that would be great. Um, we've really been looking for opportunities to um, make our our software useful, um, and there's a lot of I mean, there's a lot of power that I think we've put into it in terms of the ability to to do things like represent and model um, uh, dynamic Bayesian networks and, and so forth, and also constructing them using um, similar to you know the, the kinds of things they were talking about with with the defense. It's like first there's there's the there's the templates and then there's the logic for how to um, assemble them. You know when do you instantiate this particular meepen fragment and hook it up to which other fragment? And we've done a lot of work on that. Um, and we also did some work that looked a lot like the the Bayesian web vision that that you had. Um, that we presented along when we were in um, Ireland at the ISWCO5. So I was, I'm, I was curious about what other approaches are out there that, that you're aware of, and that's why I asked that. So that's very interesting. Yeah, well, as I say, definitely we should uh, keep in touch and, and see what kind of collaboration is possible here. Okay, great. Well, I'll, I'll get in touch with you offline then. Okay. Thank you, Francis. Uh, that, that's what the community of practice is for anyway. Uh, towards the end, I'll probably poll anyone, uh, everyone here to find out if another session uh, of a similar, similar nature, which was what we had original, uh, originally set up in mind. So let's move on to the uh, person from the 510 area code who has already unmuted himself. Uh, hi, Peter. This is Rex. My question is for anyone who has an answer. It's a question slash suggestion. Do you know of anyone who's making a Bayesian network ontology plugin for Protege? And if not, do you know anyone who might be interested? There is a group at the University of Maryland who uh, did they do a Pro Protege plugin, Paulo? Uh, no, they didn't. But you are working on a protege plugin for Mebens, right? Yes. But it's not ready yet. We we built a protege plugin uh, under Keeper that that allows us to specify um, friend declarations. It's, it, there's there's a lot more work to be done on it. But well, we made a start at at representing um, you know the kind of probabilistic relational models as overlays to existing AL ontologies and allowing you to specify the, the BaseNet um, you know, the, the additional information like parents and and CPTs or other forms of distributions as um, 
ontological elements that could be essentially appended or imported uh, to your existing AL ontology and then exported into a quiddity modeler syntax to be used as, you know, for your reasoning task. Well, as Ken probably recalls, I'm interested in the emergency management field, emergency response, and I think there's a place for that there. Oh, okay. Yeah, it would be useful. That would be great. Um, perhaps we could talk offline. Certainly. I didn't catch who you were, though, so. That was Brooks. Rex Brooks. Rex Brooks. Yeah. Yes, and, and Rex actually uh, co-chaired our earliest session on emergency management, uh, application of ontologies in emergency, uh, when Ken was with us uh, at that session. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I brought up the issue of uncertainty in, uh, in that session, and that's when the, uh, this session was, uh, was formulated. Um, yeah, it seems to me that, yeah, the formation of a community of, uh, of practice in this case would be very useful because there's a lot of, uh, interest in getting this moving and a lot of convergence in the ideas. Um, but, you know, it, it would be helpful if, if we could we could agree on certain certain principles before you know as we go forward. Um, so, what exactly is entailed in forming a community of practice? My comment was, I mean, Ontolog actually is a, a, a virtual community of practice. I mean, my my mentioning that was the, the fact that I mean we've got uh, people here uh, exchanging idea uh, is is sort of exactly what we were looking for. Sometimes we hot know uh, what other people are working on that would be useful to our own uh, areas of pursuit. This is Michelle Raymond from Honeywell ACS Labs. And there's plenty of work that we're doing that includes uh, stochastic um, probability, probabilistic reasoning. Uh, we've got Bayesian network, uh, belief systems, et cetera, throughout. We're looking at some things specifically in emergency management. Uh, we've done things with uh, equipment health uh, and, and many other domains the, and, and cybersecurity. Uh, one of the things going beyond the community of practice is we're starting to look for um, organizations and opportunities where we can start actually putting some of these principles into practice. So uh, I don't know if this question's for Terry or for, uh, you know, who, who, I throw it out to whomever. Um, what projects, were, what collaborative um, systems are out there that we can start working with uh, and getting involved in? Well, this is Terry, Michelle, and, and uh, you know, I think that in my world, which is pretty much classified, I we had this tremendous need for uh, the integration of data and being able to understand the certainty to which that data is true. And certainly your work and that of Kathy and Ken and Pablo and others is very important. Uh, you know, we do have a, a conference coming up called the National Ontology and, Inform and Intelligence Community uh, a Conference on November 20. Uh, uh, 28th and 29th of this year, and a classified 
uh, day on the 30th, which will be in a skiff. And uh, we'd like to get this kind of work, especially since you're a Raytheon, I imagine you're doing classified work. I'd like to get that kind of kind of, uh, of work into uh, papers in this conference and, uh, and, and try to advance these ideas further in collaboration with one another. So I'd like to talk to you offline more about what you're doing and, uh, you know, uh, what uh, potentially could be, uh, uh, you know, presented to the uh, people I work with. Mm-hmm. And you said that uh, the National Ontology Conference is in November? Yes, November. Uh, 29th. Um, okay. Yeah, 30th, 30th is the classified session. Okay, we've got definitely people with clearance be involved, but um, are there also opportunities before then that we can start looking at? Uh, well, I think, I think there are. I think we should talk about them on, you know, dental log slide and also offline. Okay. Uh, talk, uh, talk probably further. Dan Blitz would be the best uh, to, to speak with you. He's, he's here. He's been a part of uh, listening in on this, but he would be the best liaison for that. And uh, I believe he has security clearance? Probably not, uh, not yet not to uh, sufficient for this. Okay. But, yeah. but hopefully oh. by then. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah. But I think we have each other's emails, so we can certainly, yep. I think, at this point, talk on, on uh, email about yeah. that aspect. Okay, right. good. Any, anyone else out there? Uh, um, existing work going on or uh, examples where you're using this um, for the government or in other domains? Using this being what? Um, using using particular approaches uh, for the Bayesian belief system um, to, I'm particularly interested in the interoperability and data fusion from multiple ontologies or multiple data sources. Well, and at, at in my work at Vistology, we have a number of uh, projects for the uh, the military. One for the, one at the Army. Uh, there's one in the Navy. I guess also an Air Force. So we pretty much cover all the services. Um, and uh, each one, of course, has do in uh, and what they're trying to achieve. Um, so I, I don't know if this is the right venue to be uh, explaining that, but you know, if, if you could, we could um, we could discuss this offline. I could I could explain some of the things that are going on. Um, Catherine, mm-hmm. did you you probably have some projects as well? Yeah, um, I've I've worked on a number of projects of uh, information fusion, data fusion, um, in uh, and uh, I'm our um, command and control C4I center here at George Mason, of which I'm associate director, does a lot of research in um, languages for uh, uh, battle management language and other la- and command and control languages and formalisms. And we've been looking at the problem of integrating uncertainty into those, and I'll be working on some projects this summer related to that. And I think I'd be very interested in 
um, having discussions uh, with people who are doing similar kinds of things and exchanging ideas. Well, yeah, Kathy, you know, we plan on talking, and Ken, uh, why don't we plan on having maybe an offline meeting on that topic at some point? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. Okay, I uh, don't see any more hands up, uh, so last chance for a question. If not, I mean, there was one uh, post earlier, uh, thanks, thanks to uh, Kathy, who uh, uh, made us aware that she is throwing a, a conference in Vancouver, and someone from Vancouver, Dwayne Nichol, particular suggested that uh, we should maybe uh, send in a paper so if, if I mean now that those who are interested in uh, the subject are here so please consider uh, sending your submissions to Kathy okay what is, what is that conference there's a uh, it's the, the uh, conference on uncertainty in artificial intelligence okay, is yeah. every summer, but sure. th- th- their deadline is passed for the main conference. But I am oh. holding uh, we are holding an applications workshop. Yes. That, that uh, deadline is next Friday for submissions. Oh, and I sent the okay. announcement out to the uh, Ontolog forum. I sent the first and the second call for papers, and the final call for papers will be going out this weekend. Yep. Um, on. Uh, uh, it's actually the topic this year is user views, and um, in particular, Ken's discussion of, of ease of use of probabilistic ontologies would be would be really a welcome submission to that. Uh, and there's a um, there's a website associated. If you go to uh, actually, the probably the easiest thing is to just Google UAI 2007, and you'll find the website for. Uh, the Conference on Uncertainty and Artificial Intelligence, and then uh, look for the Applications Workshop. And papers are due on April 6th, and we'd be delighted to get a paper from you. Um, And Terry also mentioned that Ontologies in the Intelligence Community Workshop, which is coming up, uh, a conference which is coming up in November, and so we'd be watching for announcements for that if that's an interest of yours. And I'm on the uh, scientific board for that also. And we should post that on the uh, Ontolog site. Yeah, and also you might want to, on the Ontolog site, you might want to post that um, uh, the World Wide Web Consortium um, uh, experimental group for people who are interested in getting oh, yeah, involved in that, especially yeah. if yeah. you happen to be a W3C member. But even if you're not a member, if this is an area that you're interested in, you can apply to be an invited expert um, and the experimental group, if, uh, experimental groups have slightly less uh, rigid rules about uh, participation by W3C members only. George Mason is not a W3C member, but I'm co-chairing this uh, this experimental group. So we're basically going to be looking at use cases. So Ken, I think since you've done such so much work in use cases, you might be very interested in in participating in this. Yeah, yeah. Well, I already mentioned to you that. It would be good if I participated in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Sounds good. So maybe, maybe, maybe since oh, uh, I would definitely invite any member who has uh, community-related uh, events or groups that they're starting to post on one of the three pages. We have a, a wiki page for calendar-related like uh, events. We have one for 
calls, like call for paper, call for collaborators, and so on. And of course, we have another uh, page for job opportunities. Uh, so anyone who is sort of championing any of these things that are related, please make a post to the wiki and then highlight it by making a post to the uh, mailing list because the mailing list reach a lot more people than, than just on the wiki. Uh, although the wiki supports an RSS, I don't know if a lot of people actually have sort of uh, syndicated the, the RSS uh, information. So that uh, the best bet is still to make a post also to the list. All right. One last okay. note is uh, are we happy today or do we see burning needs for a follow-on session uh, in this area? Possibly, uh, at least I would hope maybe within another uh, nine to 12 months, we do a follow-up and see how things have progressed. Uh, I would agree, Peter, especially since this is so important, it's getting little attention. Uh, and there is, as Kathy pointed out, some who actually argue that ontologies and uncertainty don't belong together, which, uh, you know, in this real world and in the world of databases is not true. So I think follow-up, probably the sooner the better would be good. Okay. So uh, let's since we, we know who these people are now, uh, let's try to maybe uh, get together and if, if the Ontolog uh, virtual event setting is a right setting to get everyone together, uh, ping me anytime or, or any uh, of the other co-conveners. Okay, and I want to thank you, Peter, and I want to thank uh, Ray, who, Stephen, who is not uh, who's not able to be with us anymore, for organizing this and and um, and for inviting us. Uh, and I, it's an honor to participate. And thank you very much. Uh, I think the honor is all ours, and I take the opportunity to thank Ken, uh, Cassie, Paulo, and Terry for being on our expert panel today. Well, okay. Let's call it a day. And thank okay, you. thank you. Thank you. Bye -bye. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.